Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, how's everything going? Oh, can't complain at all. Can't I tell you what. Yeah, I tell you what, Brian, we're going to talk about some things that a lot of people are talking about in the barber shops, in the emergency room, on vacation, at work. Well, they shouldn't probably be talking about it at work, but they are. But we're going to talk about those things that people need to hear about tonight. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. You know, we got two great guests on, you know, and we're going to have just an awesome time tonight. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. You know, Brian, when we look at this uh, 2008 election, this is one that it scares a lot of people. And I'm trying to figure out what is it about this election that's so different from all the other elections, Brian? Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think it's kind of obvious, <laughs> you know, that for the first time ever we have uh, an African-American who could possibly be the president of the United States when this is all said and done. You know, so I think that's one of the, you know, one of the things, you know, and it's it's historic at the same time it's kind of like wow you know you never thought that it would happen or it could happen you know you always had hope that it would happen but you never thought that you know he would actually be able to beat out who everybody thought would be the incumbent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well brian i think we may have our guest now on the 404 let's go ahead and try to bring him in all right Uh, actually that person dropped out of the call lineup well, let's go ahead and introduce our, our guest. I'm sure he'll he'll call in. Sure. Okay. Our first guest is he actually needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. With extensive roots as a reporter and manager in radio, television, newspaper, and the internet, Roland S. Martin is a multimedia journalist who can do it all: report it, shoot it, write it, produce it, edit it, and voice it. He is the ultimate cross-trained journalist. Learn more about the newspaper editor, TV commentator, radio talk show host, web publisher, and author of two books, Listening to the Spirit Within, 50 Perspectives on Faith, and Speak, Brother, A Black Man's View of America. Our second guest is Mr. Antonio Jefferson, who currently serves as the city manager for the city of Gretna, Florida, in which he specializes in root cause performance issues affecting organizational growth, individual and team performance, and outcome measurement. Mr. Jefferson focuses on developing and executing initiatives which will improve the delivery of government services for the city of Gretna. You know, Greg, I said again, we got two great guests, and I think we're going to have an awesome conversation about, you know, our topic about media fairness. And uh, we do have Mr. Jefferson on with us, so we'd like to introduce him right now. Are you there, Mr. Jefferson? I am here, Brian. Thank you. All right. All right. Welcome again to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, okay. Good, good. All right. And we're still waiting on Mr. Martin to call in, so if you all will just be patient, we'll try to get him on the line. Uh, Let me check and see. This may be him, Greg. Okay, go ahead. Mr. Martin? Yes. All right. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Uh, thanks a bunch. Just finished uh, returning from doing CNN, so. <laughs> all right, all right. How are you doing, Mr. Martin? This is I'm doing great. Yes, good. Brian, we, we finally have uh, our two guests for tonight, Mr. Jefferson, Antonio Jefferson, the city manager of Gretna, Florida, Mr. Uh, Martin. I uh, mm-hmm. want to introduce you guys to each other, and uh, Antonio know who you are, so we just wanted to make sure that our guests knew each other. Not a problem. Okay. Brian, I think you had a question for uh, Mr. Martin. Yes, Mr. Martin. You know, our topic tonight is media fairness, and, you know, we're going along the lines of the 2008 election. And, you know, my first question is about the way that uh, the Democratic presidential nominee Barack Obama has been portrayed in the media versus uh, the Republican presidential nominee John McCain. You know, do you believe that, it has been a fair portrayal of either candidate, or do you think that uh, 
they gave more coverage to Barack Obama because he was the relatively unknown person versus John McCain, who had been the seasoned veteran. Well, I mean, I think if you look at uh, a you know a, a nonpartisan view, uh, there was a study that was done that showed that seventy-two percent of the media coverage of Senator Barack Obama was deemed to be uh, negative uh, in terms of a lot more aggressive in the reporting. Uh, I don't doubt for a second that a lot of that has to do with the reality uh, that Obama is uh, new and fresh on the scene. There's an assumption, which I, which I find to be an erroneous assumption, that America already knows about John McCain. I mean, look, he's been around 30 years. I don't know that much about John McCain. Uh, and so I, I don't buy that. Uh, but I think a lot of it also is driven by when you talk about uh, what comes out of Washington, D.C., uh, you know, the, the press corps there may know John McCain well, but I, I don't buy that America knows uh, John McCain as well as they do uh, Senator Barack Obama. Obviously, he ran in the year 2000, uh, and so you, you sort of had that relationship that was established then. Uh, and so I think if you, if you simply look at the studies that have been done, I mean, it's very clear uh, that uh, there's a belief that uh, there has been more negative coverage of Obama, a lot more scrutiny uh, uh, to him versus John McCain. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Jefferson, I, I'll ask you the same question. Do you think that uh, you've had uh, a fair coverage of both candidates, or do you think that they you know, favored one or the other? And you don't have to necessarily answer it the same way, you know, but just give us your perspective on the media coverage. Sure. And just as a consumer of the media products, that, and, and just looking at it from just a uh, a non-media connection relation just as a regular voter. I think that the coverage has been up here, but also just, you know, I've watched pretty much all of the networks, and I see that some of our more conservative networks are more uh, seem to broadcast uh, Senator Barack Obama in a negative light continuously. And, um, I, yes, I, I think, and I agree with Roland, I don't think America knows uh, Senator McCain. And I think that the media coverage has been a lot more intensive towards Barack Obama. But, you know, I'm encouraged by that because I think that it serves a great purpose in, in introducing a, a real African-American candidate and really just showing the, the true sides because, you know, we all have those table conversations with our fellow employees, both African-American and non-African-American. And, you know, we, we often get asked the question of, you know, who do you support, and, and for some reason they already know the answer, you know, if it's a non-African American that's asking you that question. So I, I think that it's, it's good in a way, it's bad in a way, but at the end of the day, I think that it, it plays a plus for Senator uh, Obama. You know, I, I want, this is Greg, guys. I wanted to ask this question, and, and mostly all of America is, wants to know this answer, Mr. Martin. Why is it that so many people in this country are so afraid uh, Barack Obama. Well, first of all, I, mean, I don't necessarily believe that that most Americans are afraid of Barack Obama. I think there are so many different things that you have to you have to factor in. I mean, obviously, uh, he would be the first African American. You know, white men have been forty three out of the last forty three United States presidents. I think also uh, you have folks who are. I mean, you look at the name. Uh, you know, one of the things when I interviewed him last year after his Iowa win about this whole underdog notion or being the front runner, he said, anytime he said, you know, I think, you know, with my name being Barack Obama, I'll always be the underdog. I think you factor that in. I mean, frankly, I think if his name was Bill Smith or Roland Martin or 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 Don Simpson, uh, I think that uh, it would not be as uh, difficult for him. But also I think you have to factor in a generational issue. And I think we have to compare it to 1980. People forget that you had a very unpopular president, Jimmy Carter. You had the Iran hostage crisis. You had the, uh, the whole gas crisis. And you also had interest rates sitting around 18%. Uh, so then you, you, so you, but then you had Ronald Reagan. People said, oh, who is this Hollywood guy? We don't know him. Uh, can we trust him to run the country? So even though Carter was grossly unpopular, the polls were extremely tight the entire fall. It wasn't until the final debate in October where Reagan literally destroyed Jimmy Carter, but America said, okay, we can trust this guy. 
I think you also have to look at this. So I think that's a good comparison. Uh, obviously, you have to factor in race, factor in name, but also I think you have to factor in this whole notion of uh, do we take this 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 risk? I think the generational issue is also critical. Keep in mind that Senator Barack Obama, if elected, will be the first what I call the first post civil rights movement baby to become president. And I use Dr. King's death as a measurement. Barack Obama was six years old and Dr. King was killed. Uh, and so uh, this, he would be the first person of that generation to become president. Keep in mind, 1992, the same conversation took place with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was the first baby boomer president. Depression babies, the greatest generation, the World War II generation, they were not quite sure about Bill Clinton. So you cannot leave out the generational issue as well, and that is having a 71-year-old guy who's coming from a, a whole different generation and a 47-year-old guy, and we have older voters who vote more than anybody else. And so will these older voters, in essence, trust the younger guy with the presidency? Will younger voters walk the walk as opposed to talking the talk all the years? I think you have to factor all those things in to understand where we are now and why the poll numbers are the way they are. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, and, I, and I totally agree. Mr. Jefferson, I have a question for you. Do you think that the negative uh, press that uh, Senator John Edwards has been getting has in some way been directed at uh, Barack Obama? Well, I don't think I don't think it has. I think that uh, some of our favorites like uh, uh, Sean Hannity and, and others out there in the uh, right wing media uh, continues to try to connect the dots between uh, any negative uh, uh, opportunities uh, that may have some relationship to Senator Obama. And, and I mean, it's a sad state of condition. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, I watch pretty much all of the news networks at, at various times during the week, and, you know, and it's obvious that some of them appear to just take the story and report it for what it is and then allow the country to make its decision and move on. Uh, but they, anything to, to focus any negative light on Senator Obama appears that, 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 that those stations like the ones we know, and I'll just go ahead and say Fox, you know, it, it just continues and continues to drive that story home and try to make that connection. And, and I think that America is smart enough to, to realize and realize that it, this is really not what we want to see. This is not how we want to evaluate our candidates by connecting them to their associations to other individuals. Because I think that at the end of the day, if anyone was to open up the closet to our friendships, I guess, for, for the lack of better words, you know, anybody could find someone that's probably gone to prison or done something, but is that any uh, reflection of what I am or you are as a person? Well, I, I, I'll say this here. I, I don't think for a second that, um, that uh, look, people know where Fox comes from. I mean, it's very clear. I mean, there's no doubt. But one of the things, though, that I think part of the problem is people who are liberal or progressive also need to learn how to engage better uh, and fight more when they go on those shows. I mean, look, before I signed with CNN, I often went on the Bill O'Reilly show, appeared on those shows. had no problem doing so because I was willing to go toe-to-toe. Although I'm an independent, I refuse to subscribe uh, to any political ideology. Uh, is I do not allow them to have unfettered access to the airwaves by allowing their crap to be spewed every single night. Somebody has to be willing to go up against them and be able to say, no, this is the truth, as opposed to the junk that you're putting out. I think that's first. The other thing that, that, that is critical when we, when we examine this whole issue in terms of, like, John Edwards, Republicans don't really want to, to try to link Obama with Edwards. Here's why. John, people forget, John McCain left his wheelchair-bound wife for a 25-year-old Cindy McCain. He cheated on his first wife. Trust me, Republicans do not want this to become a true character issue by trying to somehow link John Edwards in. They don't want that because that's then going to highlight uh, the, the deficiencies in John McCain. They want to leave this thing alone. That's why I think 
you see people saying, hey, it's John McCain, it's John Edwards, as his issue is nobody else's. <laughs> you're right, you're right. I, people in the chat room are saying the same thing. But you know what, Mr. Martin, do you think, it, it just seems like from watching the news and seeing Mr. Barack Obama on television, it just seems like other countries are embracing him as if he's already the president. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, look. I mean, people, people um, uh, relate to uh, our presidential candidates. I mean, if you look at 2000, uh, Saudi Arabia, other Middle Eastern nations, it did not have a very good relationship with the Clinton White House. Yet they were fully embracing of George W. Bush returning to the White House, and so we see that. Uh, also, you know, but this whole issue of presidential candidates appearing to be too presidential, and I find that to be one of the most idiotic things I've ever heard. Because I would think you kind of want the president, uh, the person who could be president, to look presidential. I want John McCain uh, to look presidential. I, I, I want uh, Senator Barack Obama to look presidential. Uh, what you also have is other nations embracing a message. That is critical, critical to understand. Because uh, we have a horrible relationship with the rest of the world. And so there are people who say we want to see the United States as a partner. And so they, I think they are embracing somebody who brings that vision. And, frankly, I think they see John uh, McCain as simply embracing the exact same vision, vision of George W. Bush. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me ask both of you this question. Do you think because we have um, the first um, African-American to have a shot at the presidency, do you think that now you'll have more African Americans and minorities in general come out to actually vote? Well, the guest will take a stab at that. Yeah, sure. both uh, of you, both of you. Yeah. Good, Roland. I'll yield. Uh, great. Well, uh, I can go ahead. And, I mean, I can answer from my perspective. Uh, that really is a twenty-four thousand, you know, sixty-four thousand dollars question in terms of what's going to happen. Uh, I, I do expect to see a spike. But the question is, where is it going to be? Uh, you have the potential, frankly, of uh, you look at, um, uh, depending upon how voting goes, Mississippi uh, could flip. George W. Bush won't beat John Kerry by 214,000 votes in Mississippi in 2004. That could change. A black turnout, depending upon registration, could affect Georgia, could affect North Carolina, could have a significant impact in Virginia. Uh, those, those are the critical states there. It could also have an impact uh, in terms of Pennsylvania. Uh, so, you know, but, but the key is really to study the Secretary of State's office. You know, are they seeing a dramatic expansion in those particular um, states, and is black voter uh, driving that? But I think for Obama, you have to examine black voter turnout, but also young voter turnout. That is going to be critical because, again, we know that older voters vote more than anybody else, pure and simple. So he is going to need tremendous numbers among African Americans, among younger voters, and then be able to garner, uh, you know, critical percentages uh, when it comes to white voters, when it comes to uh, low income, when it comes to different demographics. And this is about, again, breaking down demographics. That's what it boils down to. You know, Bill Clinton was the last uh, president, to get, Democratic president, to get close to majority of what they call the working class white voter. That's another one of the myths or one of the lies folks are telling. Oh, Obama has a, has a working class voter problem. Washington Post had a poll released two weeks ago. Obama's up two to one among working class whites. But the reality is Democrats have never won the majority of the working class white vote since 1964. Hmm. Well, I think Martin makes a, a perfect point. And, uh, and the reality of it is is I think that we, we're all, as African Americans, are inspired by the the potential of having the first African-American president or even the first African-American at this higher level of office. And I think that if there's ever a time when African-Americans are going to be inspired about voting and the opportunity of voting and realizing uh, the struggles that have been made across time from from the time in which we were granted the opportunity to vote and the things that Martin Luther King and others have done, uh, to promote our ability to vote, I think that this is really going to be our time to really say that we either have confidence in the political process or we don't. We're going to participate or we're not going to participate. But it, right now, I think is a is a critical time for us as a people to really get engaged in this and really believe that the system I come from is really not rigged and 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 that your vote really counts. 
You know, I, I want to say this about the young voters. Uh, Mr. Martin brought up a very important part. I, I it, it seems now that you have more younger voters. It seems like the younger voters are connecting a little more with Barack Obama than they are with the with with Senator uh, McCain. Uh, Mr. Martin, are, are you seeing that, or is that something? Well, that first of all, I mean, I'm not going to say a little bit more. I mean, Obama is is, is blowing him <laughs> away uh, in that category in terms of uh, younger voters. I mean, obviously, people younger voters are inspired in a different way uh, than uh, than they are for John McCain. So there's no doubt uh, that we're actually seeing that. Uh, I, again, the, the real issue is: uh, will there be turnout? I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. What is going to be the turnout? Will people turn out to vote? It's pretty simple. Uh, and, and and are they going to turn out in the numbers that will uh, make a critical difference? That is what the Obama campaign, frankly, uh, will be analyzing uh, as they move forward. Hmm. All right, all right. Well, Mr. Martin, we know that... You don't have a whole lot of time, so we're going to ask you one more question. Unless yes. you'd like to stay with us longer. <laughs> well, actually, uh, actually, I can't, unfortunately, because uh, I've got to uh, get ready to uh, head out of town. All right, all right, great. My last question is um, about your new book, Speak Brother. Tell us about it. Well, actually, actually, Speak Brother is my first book. The new book is uh, Listen to the Spirit Within, 50 Perspectives on Faith. Oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Well, tell us about, about your book. Well, the the, uh, the first book, actually, both books are a collection of my columns and essays. Well, the first one uh, is more uh, Speak Brothers, more fo- about uh, Black Men's View of America. It's more focused on the various um, uh, political, social, and cultural issues. Uh, the second book, Listen to the Spirit Within, uh, is uh, 50 different essays dealing with the issue of faith. Um, and, and some are, are, are you know, we look at various issues such as um, the flag and this whole issue of uh, God bless America. Uh, looking at some of the, uh, you know, taking some of the contemporary issues and applying them uh, with Scripture to everyday life. And so, uh, you know, one thing that I, that I try to do from a faith perspective uh, is deal with contemporary issues uh, and, and to touch people in a unique way. For instance, uh, one of the columns I wrote on CNN.com uh, dealt with the whole issue of the importance of fatherhood. Uh, that, that, that column there received nearly one million page views. Another column that I wrote dealt with the issue of uh, the importance of uh, confronting marriage and divorce in America. Uh, you know, those are, you know, people call them family values. They call them foundational issues. Uh, but I think they're vital. They have a strong faith component uh, because they do speak to where we are as uh, a, a country on those on those points. And so uh, really what I try to do is, is, again, is to use the exact same skill set that I use when it comes to dealing with, uh, uh, dealing with political issues, applying them to faith issues as well. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, well uh, Brian, do you mind if I ask Roland just one question before he departs? Sure. Go right ahead. Uh, Roland, I'd like to know. Uh, we're hearing a lot of um, uh, mention of something happening at the convention this year relative to the those that are strong supporters of uh, Senator Clinton. Right. Uh, in your view at this point and, and from what you've seen from being on the inside of uh, politics there around the Washington, D.C. area, do you think that there is going to be any serious uh, a serious incident uh, that may involve Senator Clinton's uh, supporters as far as trying to uh, get her either on the ballot for nomination or what have you? Well, first of all, I think we got to look at it historically. If you look at 1988, when River Jackson um, had more than 1,000 delegates, uh, that was it, 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 that was an historical importance by having by putting his name in nomination. I think they they, they will work the Clinton and Obama candidates will work out some kind of deal that will see that happen. Uh, I don't believe uh, that you will see some significant incident. I'm sure, you had Clinton people who are supporters who say they plan on marching uh, in Denver, but also other cities across the country. Uh, you know, in support of Senator Clinton, uh, we expect that. But I, but again, I, I think um, you're going to see a lid put on that because the Democrats, what they don't want is for that to be the story coming out of the convention. What they want to be unity is coming out of the convention because the bottom line is Senator Clinton lost. It's as simple as that. 
Uh, and you do have to focus on what's going to happen on no, in November as opposed to trying to rerun the primaries over and over and over again. All right, all right. Well, all right. Martin, we thank you for joining us tonight, and we really appreciate the time you spent with us. Yes, thank you. And for all of our listeners, go to his website at RolandMartin.com. Actually, actually, the website is RolandSMartin.com. RolandSMartin, that's right. Yep. And I'm reading it, but I'm saying it. Wrong. I got you. It's RolandSMartin.com. Purchase both of the books. Get the books. <laughs> Book this brother for your all of your events, any of your events. I'm sure he'll be more than happy to join you. And we and we have on the website. If you go to the website, or just click the speaking button. You just fill that out, and then uh, then we can follow up with folks after that. All right, all right. Again, Roland Martin, we thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, mm-hmm. Antonio. Antonio, yes. I had a question for you. You know, we were talking about the young voters. Is that you know in the city that you're in, and you 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 know when you're going to your meetings and everything, and you're seeing the polls that are out there about the young voters. What what do you think uh, that these young kids are thinking? Do you think that they uh, are tired of the old way things are, are are happening? Because you see so many young kids now, it's like the younger kids now are gelling a little bit more together than you know when we were growing up. You see a lot of the the races mixing more now, so you really can't do or say the same things that that used to be okay to say. These kids are not buying that now. Is that what you're seeing out there now? Uh, absolutely, Greg, and um, I, I think Roland really kind of put it well relative to uh, what's going to happen in this next election. It will really be about turnout, and I think that it will really be about the youth vote uh, and and whether, you know, regardless of what uh, 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 racial background that they may come from, I think the youth vote is really is what's going to, make it happen for Senator Obama if it is to happen. Uh, in our area, we're seeing an increased number of, of, of young folks, uh, especially in the 18 to 24 demographic, that are registering to vote for the very first time. Matter of fact, we're going to probably have our first testing of that new pool of registrants in the August 26th election here locally, which will be for uh, just local races and, and state level races, um, some of them in which are, will be primaries. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see. I think locally uh, on this August 26th election, whether you know there's really going to be uh, an engagement of the youth vote, and uh, and hopefully that'll uh, go into November. But I think November, the the general election is going to bring a lot of excitement in this country. I think after we after the Democrats come out of convention as well as the Republicans, I think that there's going to be a lot of energy. I, I think that having Senator Clinton and, and 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 former President Clinton on the campaign trail for Barack Obama both before the convention on those limited uh, engagements and then afterwards, you know, in full engagement, I think it's going to get a lot of folks pumped up. And, uh, and I think we're going to see record number of, of, of folks turning out. And uh, and I really think, and you know, and I've felt this, and I've talked with some of my Republican friends. Uh, you know, despite what's being said about Senator McCain and and, and about you know his experience and 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 him being a Republican, I think that they're really concerned about his ability, and I think that they're really giving Senator Obama at least a fair look and not just automatically saying, well, I'm going to pull the Republican ticket regardless of how my candidate may smell. Hmm. You know, I want to go to the callers. We have some callers on the line, and I want to go to their questions. I want to know what they think about media fairness, and has the media been fair in this 2008 election? And if you'd like to chime in, you can chime in on our chat line on the Blog Talk Radio website, or you can call in 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And I'm going to go to our first caller, and that caller is in the 516 area code. Caller, are you there? Yes. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Do you have a comment or a question? Yes, uh, in full disclosure, I'm also a blog talk radio host. I uh, host the show Afro Nerd Radio, and we do conservative talk um, black, from a black conservative perspective. 
but I'm also a supporter of uh, Obama. So I'm definitely I'm a Obamacan, as they say. Okay. I, I wish I had I, I had gotten a chance to speak to, to Mr. Martin because uh, one thing that I thought that should have been brought up is that there seems to be a lack of a of an inverted argument regarding experience. Now, what I mean by that is there's this whole thing about Obama's youth and him being relatively inexperienced. I mean, what's frustrating is something I wish that uh, Roland might have been able to address or maybe something he might bring up when he commentates, when he, as he uh, comments on CNN, is what about ex- ex- experience is what got us into this, pro- into this uh, struggle right now with Iraq, even as we speak. Uh, when I think of someone like Donald, Ru- Donald Rumsfeld, who held the, the office of Secretary of Defense twice, whose resume goes as far back as Nixon, and even beyond that, he goes back to the, the um, as a younger man, goes back to the Eisenhower administration. This guy has over 50 years of, of experience and, and yet still managed to screw up a war. So I think that the argument should be more of, let's, let's talk about what experience has gotten us. So I wish that we would have had a chance for him to kind of address that. Why aren't we hearing more about the fact that the problems that we're seeing now are a lot, by and large, due to people who have a lot of vaunted experience. And one other question that I wish uh, I could have posed to him, and to you gentlemen also, um, if this did not go the way for black folk collectively with Obama being the presumptive uh, Democratic nominee, what would have happened with the, the uh, black voting bloc with the Democratic Party? Because you saw how the Democrats have treated of black folks in this in, in this election, where you could not blame the conservatives this time for the poor portrayal of Obama. It was his own party. So, what would have happened to black folks if he did not get the nomination? We'll let, my yes, we'll let Antonio answer that question. Antonio. Well, I think you, your caller brings up a very interesting conversation that I think has not taken on any. Uh, it hasn't gotten any fire behind it because I agree with them relative to the experience. Uh, experience is good, and, and I think that across history, experience has served us, served our country well. But as we're looking at these candidates, I think uh, it, it's true. We need to look and see what experience has gotten us up to this point. And in fact, let's talk about experience relative to our current president. Uh, he come, He came into the White House with some, and I'll say, limited experience as the governor of the state of Texas, and look what that experience has gotten us. And I think that that's what's making uh, folks around the country very excited about Senator Barack Obama because, I mean, really, I mean, he brings something different. Yes, while you can sit here and count down on his resume and talk about executive experience, you're bringing forth a person that's got new ideas, that's got some freshness. And I think that it goes, and we've had locally a, a long discussion about term limits and, and how term limits are now impacting uh, the Florida legislature. And, and I think that while those that, that are, are against term limits, those that are for term limits really see that at least we get an opportunity to have some fresh faces, unlike uh, the, our, their counterparts in Washington, D.C., who get to really kind of serve until they decide that they want to walk away. So I think that uh, Senator Obama and this opportunity for him to become the first American, uh, African-American president, if he's elected, I think it's going to change the dynamics of Washington, D.C., and I think that as these elections begin to unfold in, in the four years, people are really going to begin to say, is that really the freshness that we want? Is that something that we want to, uh, what I'll say, complement what we have in the White House? Uh, you know, I, I want to ask this question to the caller from the 516 area code. Caller, are you still there? Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, do you think John McCain is having a hard time detaching himself from the current president that we have now and their policies? Do you think he's having a hard time doing that? Uh, honestly, I don't think he wants to detach himself from the, from this. Um, I mean, from from the very beginning, you would have thought logic would have dictated that. Uh, why would why would anyone want to have any kind of commonality with this particular president? And, and I said before, I'm a conservative, but I'm not a neocon, and I will readily admit that this administration has had a extremely poor performance. But uh, he hasn't really tried to to uh, distance himself from this administration. 
Uh, and, and also with this uh, late, latest conflict with Georgia, he's taking on the same pro to hard tough talk that is, uh, that is reminiscent of Bush, whereas uh, Senator Obama is far more nuanced in his, in his application to uh, discussing the, the, uh, the conflict. So, I mean, he, he you know, what it, what it really boils down to is, I hate to get, go into the, the pink elephant in the room, but it really boils down to race. Because there's, there's a whole thing about Obama who, uh, after leaving the European, you know, the big free-for-all with, with Europe and, and kind of um, being larger than life, one would think that he was supposed to be further up in the polls from that, but we're, we're, still, we're still grappling with, is America really ready to deal with having a person of color, an African-American, in, the, in, in, you know, the, the, in control? And, I, and, and that's what's really holding us apart, because common sense would make it, well, why would someone want to go for a third-term Bush administration? But he doesn't want to distance himself from the, from the administration, for whatever reason, I don't know. You know what, let me ask you this. Uh, anybody on the phone can answer this. Is it just a perception of a black man leading this country? Is that what's just eating at the heart of a lot of Americans? Not all, but at some of the ones that do not want Barack in office. Is it just a perception? Is that what it is? Well, you Greg, know? I'll take a stab at that first. Um, the uh, and and this is just purely my my opinion and really not anything based on fact but uh, I think that it's, it, it, there is fear out there and I think Senator Obama has said you know very well and has pointed out they're going to try to make you afraid of me but I think that a lot of that fear is is that as you look across the history of our country. You know, you have to ask yourself, why wouldn't an African-American be mad and why wouldn't they want to get in position of power and begin to uh, orchestrate some legislation that would be against those that have been the oppressor of African-Americans in the past? Now, by far, you know, I would not go and say that that's the reality of those non-African-Americans out there who are listening to this show and that are obviously going to voice their opinion through their vote. Uh, during this uh, election exercise, but at the end of the day, I think that, that un uh, uncertainty about how this African American will play out, how you know what will this do? You know, we, we uh, past years we've gone through this thing of reverse discrimination and 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 and, and some reversal of of of, uh, of those things, affirmative action in California, Michigan, some attempts in Florida. You know, at the end of the day, I think that it's, it's really uh, people being afraid. But at the end of the day, if you look around this country uh, where African Americans live, I think there's been no other people that have been in this country or come to migrate to this country who have been more willing to forgive for that what has gone on in the past. And I think that as the people, African Americans, have displayed themselves in, in various, and as our caller, who is a conservative, but, you know, it's not a neocon at the end of the day. I mean, and I'm sure that he wouldn't go out and, and try to promote some type of what I'll call a black agenda that would be adverse to our neighbors. Well, can I answer that also? A little, yeah, kind of dovetail away from that. You know, this, this whole thing with Obama's pre, um, uh, run, it, you know, it's unprecedented in some respect for him to get this far. But I think it's such a um, – it, it really is such a, a question mark for the country, and it's really got us at a precipice as to where we're really going to go. And um, we have to admit that there's a, there's a lot of things going on simultaneously with, with his nomination. One, uh, we're dealing with the fact that you have a lot of black folk that are shook about this nomination because their bread and butter is also affected by uh, Obama's politics. And one of the reasons why I am a conservative because I, have a, I do have a problem with with the, the, the concept of victimization in the black community. And you see that some people who profit from victimization, the Jesse Jackson, the Andrew Youngs, people who in my childhood I admired, they, said, they have said some slick remarks about someone who you would think they shouldn't have. Uh, Obama is the culmination of the civil rights movement. He is supposed to be who he is because of the civil rights movement, and yet the folks that are supposed to be um, you know, the, the leaders of the black community, they initially were not supportive of Obama because he didn't come from the same, the same background, his experience, the whole, que the whole absurd questions of black authenticity. All those things were wrapped up in this. 
And then also it, it comes into uh, notions of, of uh, tribalism. Black folks are always um, put to task for being tribal. In other words, he, because Obama has 90% of the, of the vote now, which he didn't have initially, people forget that. He has 90% of the vote now. Now we get condemned because, well, he's just being voted on because he's black, and yet white folks have been able to vote, vote white in item. No one ever talks about that. And the fact that also that Obama cannot choose a running mate of color. But, and yet, a, but it's undoubted, undoubtedly, uh, a, uh, McCain has the choice of either way. It doesn't matter for him. But it matters for him. He can't choose Colin Powell. I mean, wh why can't he? Because he will be considered tribal, and yet whites are tribal all day long. So there's so many things going on with this, with this particular nomination. White folks are shook. Black folks are shook. It, it, it is a weird experiment. You know, I, I want to comment on that. When you said that, I, I, when you said Colin Powell as possibly the vice president, I got a chill down my spine. I know you did. <laughs> it's science fiction. Up until now, it was science fiction, brother. It was up until now, it was science fiction. I mean, do you really, can you really just fathom the power in that type of pick? Well, you know, it might be best for the country, but it would never happen. We, we, can, only, we can barely get Obama to go through. Right. And again, we have to talk about the black people, even these, these guys from the Uhuru News thing from a few weeks ago, who were demanding him to, have to be the sole power brother in charge. <laughs> when that is not, they, it is impossible for that to happen. I said, who are these people? If he addresses, <laughs> if he addresses the, 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 the gas prices, if he addresses the foreclosures, if he addresses the, the unemployment rate, that is addressing black problems. And yet these, these radical progressives, whatever you want to call them, these, these leftovers from the 60s, it, 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 it's, it's unconscionable that they will not let this brother get the keys to the White House at least. And i tell you one more thing, and I want to go about the show. But one more thing that must be, told, must, be, must be mentioned is Obama is probably the blackest person of record to run for the presidency in, a, in essence, and I'll tell you why. He had a super black leftist church in his back pocket, and yet his own minister could not remain silent, silent enough to also have access to a potentially black president because he was shook also. He could have been the black equivalent of Billy Graham, who has had access to the, pres to the presidency since the 50s, but because he could not calm down he was, he, he was put in a position where Obama had to distance himself from him. But if he laid low in the cut, as they say in the street, he might have, black folks might have gotten the, black, the kind of black person they wanted in office, but no one wanted to remain silent on that. You know, I want to give, give my answer uh, right quick, and then I have a question for Tony. But, you know, when you talk about experience, you know, and, and I'm pretty much preaching to the choir here, when you talk about experience, you have to look at again, like you like you stated with uh, who was it Rumsfeld? Fifty years of experience, and yet fifty years. But see, you got to understand what. Ex see, you have you have a double play word here. You have experience, and you have experience. And what they wanted with that experience is to experience what we're in right now, because this experience that we're in now is profitable. The war machine is the most profitable machine in the universe. The war machine that they created, this whole issue of gas prices, this whole issue of home prices, it was all created by the war machine. You know, so when you look at that experience, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Experience told them that if you cut taxes early, and you fund two wars that you will weaken the dollar, therefore raising gas prices due to the experience of them passing the law stating that gas prices had, that oil had to be purchased using U.S. dollars. So all of this experience was designed for them to line their pockets as much as they could. Do you notice that because now people are hurting so much due to the gas prices that now we have our president come out and say, Let's drill. Let's drill. Let's drill. Then you have uh, somebody else come out and say, let's drill. Let's drill. Let's drill our way out of this 
where the when the technology is here right now being suppressed to uh for alternative fuel sources there are people well, I, out there right now that have created water-based fuels that they can uh separate water uh gas from fuel from water and fuel their cars it's proven technology but the US government says by law they are not allowed to run tests and to give mileage standards for that. Listen, there's so, a vehicle. There's a vehicle in Australia that runs on air. I kid mm-hmm. you not. Runs on air. Anyone in your, in your audience can listen. To, can, it's like a little minivan. But anyone in your audience can Google or they can uh, YouTube that. It runs on air. But uh, one thing, again, that I wish uh, Roland was, was, uh, was here, is I, as a commentator, I would, I would want him. I'm addicted to the, the political punditry as we, as we see them. And they never really dig deep. If we're going to talk about pulling each other's resumes, they need to start pulling out the resumes in the opposite direction. Say, okay, this is what this person, this is, this is how um, qualified he, allegedly, he or she allegedly is, and this is what you got. Again, Rumsfeld, as an example, held the position of Secretary, Secretary of Defense twice. And he still, they, do you remember, people have a short memory. Do you remember the, 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 the the hell that, it, that there was with the media and everyone pundits calling for this guy to be removed, and, the, and Bush was so uh, obstinate in not having him removed. It took, it took hell and high water to have him removed from that position, and yet this guy is the experienced guy. <laughs> and no, and no, one, no one frames this in the media for some reason. They're not really framing it. It's always about Obama's inexperience, and then it's left at that. They never talk about what experience has gotten us thus far. Mm-hmm. I think what a contributor to that really is is that we all got to remember that the that the media is out there and, and their revenue and, and ratings generate ratings and revenue generate if you want to put them in order, and and I think that that's the reason. I mean, they they all want to have a balanced audience, unlike Fox, I think, when you compare the rest of them. You know, if you look at CNN and you look at Fox, I mean, it's obvious of how uh, their reporting is twisted in, 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 in one way. But at the end of the day, I think that everyone's trying to keep their viewers on both sides of the aisle, if you'll allow me to use that. And, and, and I think that that's the reason why it's not challenged. Now, I do think that, that Roland and others that are out there, the pundits that are out there, that really challenge the status quo uh, per se. But, you know, those guys are not frequently on Fox. They're, they're not frequently on some of these, you know, they're not frequently on Rush Limbaugh and some of, the, some of these other real, real, real neocons that are out there. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, I think that, the country now is ready for a change, and I think that it's going to change a lot of uh, ways in which the media covers both the African-American community and covers the issues. But one of the things that I wanted to mention as I listened to the call and listened to your question, Brian, and one of the things that, that I'm afraid of just personally is is that if Obama is elected and just doing a little uh, looking into the future, you know, what's going to happen to African Americans as far as their drive uh, to continue to uh, present themselves as, as, as people that are deserving of, 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 of fairness and, and being equal to, to their counterparts of the other races? And when Obama gets in there, and I hope he's just like our caller is, is that he's conservative, you know, and, and ultimately we don't look, and he doesn't look back on the black community and try to figure out how do we give out the next handout. Um, because I agree, and, you know, and I, and I think that I'm somewhat conservative, conservative Democrat if there's such a word. Um, but no. at the end of the day, I want our communities to be empowered, but empowered as a, as a result of sweat and hard work is getting out there and making a living for a family and not looking on to the President Obama saying, okay, brother, we got you in the White House. What's coming our way? Hmm. Well, I can say one thing um, that's troubling is that when Obama did that, that uh, famous Father's Day speech, which I thought was absolutely on point, absolutely necessary. I don't know how else you tell folks that they need to do certain things. You send them an email to tell them to raise their children? I don't know. But surprisingly, there were a number of black folk, uh, black organizations that had a problem with this man coming out and speaking truth to power. 
that the, the numbers are not favorable when it comes down to black fatherhood. It is what it is. You have entire communities that are being, that are being run uh, by females. And, and listen, they do, they're doing the best they can do, but that is not the way to go. So when he talked about it, you had factions within the black community that did not like it. As, you know, uh, Reverend Jackson talked about the whole concept of talking down. So, you know, listen, the reason why it's part of my blog and my radio show is in, in part because of, of Dr. Poussaint and Dr. Cosby and Juan Williams. These things had to be said. And, and also recent Pew polls came out, which made a lot of, uh, a lot of noise, that 50% of black folk, cut down the middle, uh, agree that blacks are, are by and large responsible for their own problems. That you cannot solely blame race and racism as the crux of our problem. And also that there's, a, there's a, a, a difference between how underclass black folks look at things and how middle-class black folks look at things. So our problem is, is that we are not seeing the true, um, the, the true uh, myriad of voices within the black community. There's a whole, a whole span of blackness, and yet we're expected to be one thing. We're expected to be democratic. We're expected to be ghetto, uneducated, all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of things going on with black people that the world must know. That would be bad. that would I hope comes out of the Obama uh, presidency. You know I want to just make a comment on that also. You know I think that's just a perception though, because when you think about it, you know, and I look at poll numbers all the time, and I've always asked myself, do I know anybody who's actually been polled on these issues? And you know I can't find anybody. And I talk we talk to a lot of people through this show, and I tend to ask them a lot of questions like that. Have you ever been polled, you know? I, I, I ask people on the street, have you ever been polled? When you heard the latest poll numbers, did you think about, well, I know somebody that's been polled? I can't find a single person who's ever been polled on these issues, and yet you see these polls come out, and you're like, oh, wow, I see a poll. I think I'm going to go that way because that's what the poll says. So when you look at that and you look at that demographic, it's just a, you know, it's, it's just mind flowing and bewildering at the same time that they would base it on something like a poll wherein you have a lot of people in general who don't necessarily subscribe to that. You, I like to see a I'll Nielsen like box. A, <laughs> I like to even see a Nielsen box in a black community. I haven't seen that exactly, either. Exactly. You know, and I'll say it like this. When I go to my church, my church is, you know, fairly large. We got about 800, 800 so members or whatever. When you ask people in the church who they're voting for, why are they voting? I remember we, I had this discussion with a lady, and uh, she was an older lady. She said she was voting for Obama. And I asked her why. And she said, because I believe in Obama. And, you know, he's going to be the first black president. I believe in him. And I said, well, would you vote for, for uh, Mitt Romney? And she said, no, because Mitt Romney is a Mormon. And Mormons don't like blacks. And I said, who told you that? You know, I mean, I'm engaging her in conversation, but see, right. it's based on what people's perception of what you are and who you are. That is why the media is, and, you know, and that's why we did this show about media fairness. You know, when I hear somebody talk about Obama and his wife doing a terrorist fist bump, you know, even though I know it was like, okay, that's not really what it was. But now whenever I see people do that and I say, oh, you got the terrorist fist bump thing going on, okay, uh-huh, you know, it's a joke. But people took it very serious and literally, you know, and they made parodies and they had several commentaries on this. And it was just something that people do. That was that handshake. They said that he was sending gang signs. And, you know, I'm like, wow, can you imagine how unfair it was for his wife to be called Obama's baby mama on the Fox News channel? How unfair was it for them to talk about uh, to even have Paris Hilton come on and talk about uh, John McCain as being the old gray-haired dude and have a picture of him as being the crypt keeper. Brian, let me ask I mean? this, How Brian, fair let me ask is that question. for the media to portray them in such these, in these negative lights at the same time uh, be the responsible journalists and the responsible media outlets that they're supposed to be to inform us about the real issues? I think it's a lot of rock throwing here and nobody's really throwing any substance our way well, we, we didn't i'm sorry we, we didn't get into uh bob johnson doing what he did or andrew young doing what he did a lot of folks on both sides of the fence you just can't blame the conservatives on this one you had a lot of a lot of liberals that said some very negative things even someone like um like reverend Sharpton saying that 
not too many of us grew up in, in Hawaii and went to Harvard, as if that's not possible. This, this is supposed to be the man representing black folks, and he's, and he's downing a black man who's running for president. So, I mean, yeah, everyone you know, has had their points. Yeah. That, that, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you're absolutely, and you are absolutely right earlier, they stand to lose a lot if you, if you have somebody in here that's saying we need to get, you know, pull ourselves up and make something of ourselves because socialism, and, you know, I'll, I'll say, I won't say it, it's social, I'll say it's like black socialism is what I will call it, is what they subscribe to. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure that their viable means of funds are sustained, you know, because they feed off of the negative perceptions that black people have to be, uh, you know, uh, portrayed as, as killers, as robbers, as thieves, as uh, people using the N-word. They feed off of that, and that's how they generate their funds. So, of course, when you have somebody who can come in and just destroy that stereotype and get people to start taking care of their kids because the president of the United States said it, you know. How many times have you heard our past presidents tell black men to take care of their kids? Well, I had a question I had a question for Mr. Mr. Jefferson. Mr. Jefferson, are you still there? I'm still here. Yes. Yeah. I had a question for you is do, do you think with all of the shenanigans and all of this certain types of commercials that are out there now, do you think that there uh is a uh, strategy to make a mockery of this election so that a lot of people won't take it serious and won't vote? Well, you know, Greg, I mean, that's an interesting question. I, I think that this year and in, in, in those uh, ads that are going to be run by the John McCain and all of the other 527s that will be that will pop up or exist currently are really just to maintain the, the those folks that are straddling on the fence, pull them back over to their side. Uh, because those those folks and, and the folks that really won't vote for Barack Obama regardless of, you know, where he come, came from, uh, they have to maintain those. Because, again, this is going to really be, this election is going to really boil down really to voter turnout. So if you have those Republicans that are straddling the fence, you know, who probably more likely to stay home than they are to show up and vote for Senator McCain, you know, you got to do something to keep those people kind of corralled into the into the stables at the end of the day. But those that are inspired, that want to see this country move forward, that want to see something other than what we've seen over the last seven over seven years. Uh, I think those folks are going to come out and they're going to vote, and I don't think that they're going to be impacted as they were in our previous elections where it was really about how do we drum up the fear tactics and and, and, and the folks and, and try to shift them to the other side. This is clear. John McCain's running for uh, President Bush's third term. Uh, I heard it interestingly said that January 20th, and I'm, I'm sure of this, January 20th will mark the end of an era and not era as we think about it, I mean E-R-R-O-R era. So, uh, But I, at the end of the day, I think the answer to your question, Greg, is really I think people are going to watch them because obviously we're going to be uh, uh, this, we're going to be flooded with those things in our homes, but at the end of the day, I think the American people this, this in this election cycle are really going to look at the candidate and say, can I see – that candidate four years from now, and can I look at my pocketbook and, and or my wallet or whatever and see myself better than I am today? Well, you know, it, it's it's always interesting now that we're paying close attention to this election, and and uh, we have about a minute left. And Brian or Tony, either one of you can answer this. Like I said, we have a minute left. Do you think that this election can be stolen? Oh, I, you know, I'll answer that. Absolutely. Absolutely. With with the potential of the record number of voters out there, of course you have all types of issues that can happen. It happens in local elections where people are, are have been uh, known to find 20,000 ballots that have been, you know, oh, I found these ballots in the back room. They weren't looked at, you know. But we got about 30 seconds. I just want to thank all of our guests for coming on tonight, Mr. Roland Martin, Mr. Antonio Jefferson. I want to thank our caller um, from Afro Nerd Radio. Um, also, 
I want to thank all of our guests in the chat room, as well as all of our listeners that are listening on the phone lines. And definitely want to give uh, shots out to all of our people out there on MySpace. Again, we thank you for listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Good evening, and God bless you. <laughs>